Today's podcast is sponsored by the Summer of Dove event. Yes, what a great thing to be able to use as a sponsor, a fun event that we're going to do right before Christmas here in Hawks Bay. Uh, a little cheeky name, Summer of Dove, because it's at the Little Blackbird, the best eatery in Hastings, 5 p.m., so early evening gig, uh, Saturday, 15th of December, 2018, two chefs, six winemakers, one DJ, very unique event. It's going to be pretty fun. It should be you know, an intro of standing canopies and entrees, then a sit-down family-style dinner, and then uh, maybe we're calling it desserts on the dance floor. Uh, again, six wines, uh, but we do have a special guest in with Chef Ben Cruz, the jolly legend behind the Little Blackbird. We have Chef Gary Paneer, is a really good friend of mine, guest chef from Napa, California. Uh, if you go to the link I provide you, you'll see this great bio for Gary's cooked all over the world. And, uh, you know, I know the guy really well and I know he's got mad skills, so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're also, uh, featuring six winemakers all doing their sort of side projects, new things. We have Emois wines from Amy Farnsworth, little wine company from Sarah Little and Matt Kirby, Zaria from Bryce Edmonds. Uh, I'm doing my Junta wine. Guillaume Thomas is doing a Maison Noir wine and a very newcomer, Alex Hendry, uh, not new to making wine, but new to his own label, Soros Wines, uh, which is going to do a Viognier for him, I think. So very, very fun day, fun evening, a uh, hundred bucks a ticket, which is a steal for the amount of food and wine and, you know, DJ and all that kind of stuff. So yes, Rakai Karatiana doing the DJ, same guy who... Uh, designed all my labels so rock guys a mate and uh, he's hopping on this event it's going to be a lot of fun all you have to do now this is the trick uh, very easy to remember if you want to link to this and we'll put it up on the the links in the podcast is uh, go to bit.ly bitly you may have seen those kind of links around so bit.ly uh, slash summer dash of dash dove. So pretty easy to find. Uh, you have any trouble finding it, you just go to the Decibel Wines uh, wine shop and we've got tickets up there for sale on uh, the New Zealand wine shop. So uh, which is actually the wine shop for Australia and New Zealand and, and uh, most, seas, most uh, places overseas except for America. So with that in mind, again, summer of dove, December 15th, 5 p.m. Get your tickets now. We haven't really started advertising heavy for this one. There are, and there's already tickets being sold. So hop on that. Uh, it's just over a month away and you know, uh, you're going to hop on it. So as I mentioned, decibelwines.com, go there. Everybody seems to start to order for Christmas. If you're in the U.S., order now. It'll take a while to get there if you want to make, get wine before Christmas. Uh, and that goes the same for New Zealand uh, we've got new releases of 18 Viognier, 18 Junto Malbec Nouveau, which will sell out very soon. Uh, Rosés, Sauvignon Blanc, testifies up there. Check it all out at decibelwines.com. Let's start the show.
All right, here we are. Windy day in Hawks Bay. Back in Hawks Bay after a crazy trip through China. I think I recorded that intro before I left, so there's some updates there. Um, tickets are going quick for the summer at Dove, so please get on that. But uh, And we also, a little secret to you guys in the U.S. who want some decibel wines, um, go to Columbus Wine Shop in New York and they'll ship everywhere, but that's a little secret. Anyway, more importantly, we are talking to Sana Witteveen. Uh, Witteveen? Witteveen. Uh, a up-and-coming big swinger from... Uh, well, originally from Netherlands, as we discuss, uh, but a young star coming up. I thought the this episode will focus on sort of two young stars coming up, one uh, still studying, uh, but certainly making some impact in the industry, and another one who is uh, doing some really great things with Villa Maria and just won the uh, Young Winemaker of the War. But first, let's talk to Sana. Uh, it's a pretty quick conversation, obviously, beginning of her career, so it's not like she has stories from the 70s and 60s and 80s to tell us. Um, so we'll speak with her first, and uh, yeah, enjoy it. It's uh, it's nice to hear something sort of young and fresh What's uh, with their whole career ahead of them. Let's talk to Sana. I'm already glad that I decided to speak to you because you came in and asked good questions yourself. <laughs> so that's always a good start to a, a good conversation. And uh, yeah, you were asking about why I do this. And um, part of it is because of yeah, trying to talk to some peers and get some sense of history of Hawks Bay. But uh, I'm definitely keen. And it all did start with talking to sort of younger winemakers and people traveling through and passing through and you just told me you were born in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. When did you move to Hawke's Bay or New Zealand? Or are you from Hawke's Bay? No, from the Netherlands, moved to the Hawke's Bay, or to Auckland, sorry. Auckland, tw okay. 12 years ago, yeah. My parents decided to move out and so didn't really have a choice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They made a good one. Yeah. Um, we ended up in Auckland, the North Shore, and yeah, 2017 I moved to the Hawke's Bay. And your family's all still up there? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you're an Auckland kind of kid, Auckland gal, Auckland, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Aucklander. Um, I'm not going to hold that against you, but I know Hawks Bay people <laughs> tend to, I, yeah. they really give It's not really something you want to say, but. I know, they give Aucklanders a lot of shit, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay. I, it kinda, it's kind of like a New York thing back in, back in the States, yeah. you know, everybody, where the, you know, New Yorkers would travel around America, and they'd be like, why isn't this place more like New York? <laughs> and I think there's a bit of that with Aucklanders, but you seem really nice. So, um, yeah, I wanted to have you on because uh, last year I was at the Wine Awards and mm -hmm. uh, you won Best Student Wine. This or, year I won Best Student Wine. Oh, and yeah. last year, did you win something else? Yeah, that was the AMP scholarship. The scholarship. Young Vintner, yeah. Well, you're just racking up the, the, <laughs> the accolades. Um but what I did notice, and right away, and I kind of always have it in the back of my head, was you got up and you spoke, and you spoke very eloquently, and you seemed really nice, and I thought, that's somebody I would speak to. <laughs> so when I saw your name in the paper this year as winning again, or winning something, I thought, oh yeah, that reminded me, so I shot you an email, and here we are. So thank you for coming. That's all right. Thank and, you for having um, me. And what are you doing this time of year? Are you in school full-time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm full-time at EIT, just finishing off my final semester of my Bachelor's of Wine Science. So. Uh, 
and just the, not doing the vit. No, yeah, just okay. one science for I now. I did the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're finding it good? You like it? Yeah, yeah. Having fun? I'm enjoying this last semester. It's really focused on, yeah. So this is your second year or third year? So this is actually my fourth year all up. I began as an online student in Auckland mm. for two years, and then I decided to move to the Hawke's Bay and finish on campus for the final two years, sort of full-time. Yeah. So it added up to a three-year full-time degree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, have you done any work at some of the wineries locally? Yeah, so when I moved here, I got a job straight away with Church Road, and I've sort of stuck with them ever since. Good. Um, but I'll be uh, working vintage with Craigie next year as part of the scholarship. Oh, the scholarship, yeah. yeah. Those are two pretty serious uh, outfits there <laughs> to get involved with right away. So that should, uh, you know, continue the good pedigree, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty cool coming into the wine industry. And uh, certainly Church Road's got a lot of bells and whistles to play with there and a lot of great things being, mm. you know, not the giant biggest winery out there but it's part of a very big group so they sort of have access to big distribution chains and um, mm. uh, fancy marketing and all that kind of stuff but it's still a little bit of a smaller feel I suppose in the greater wine world though it's probably big for Hawks Bay mm. um, and yeah what's it been like working there yeah it's actually yeah like you said even though it's part of a big corporation I suppose being part of Pruno Ricard um, it still really feels like a small sort of family-run winery in a way. We're all quite close, and much of the team has been there for. Well, Chris is right. He, he long, started long when he was at EIT, and he's yeah. like still yeah. going through. You know, I suppose yeah. For me, you know, sort of seeing Chris and his story is is something that I definitely would be wanting to follow. And yeah, that's. Uh, how uh, how old are you? Twenty-four. Okay, yeah. so you're not so so young so that's uh that's cool so yeah you have a better idea of maybe what you want to at least do with the in the near future with your life whereas you know when I came to EIT I was 31 and there was like some 18 year olds in the course (laughs) and I was like how would you even possibly know like what you would think you want to do at that stage I know what I was I know what I wanted to learn about but Mm -hmm. I didn't really know about uh career wise or anything bartend and uh you know study and things like that so um do you have any you know immediate aspirations for when you'll be finished then and end of november then right yeah yeah um i suppose i just want to gain more practical experience because you know now that i've got all the sort of theory i definitely feel the need to get out there and you know um sort of yeah make mistakes and learn and and gain that and then I'll feel more valuable to sort of jump on board with someone in a more serious position. And are you planning to, you know, try to hop overseas at all? And yeah. So planning to go to Europe next year. Um, hopefully champagne. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's an interesting plan. Mm-hmm. Champagne is like, or, you know, method production is probably as far as, I mean, I suppose in really old, old world, like if I went to Armenia or something and saw, you know, buried uh, uh, amphora or something really weird like that, I would be impressed. But the rest of winemaking is like, wow, you know, you have a big cellar, you have a cool machine or something like that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not that mind-boggling, but champagne production, Mm 
Mm. You know, when you're talking years and years of investment before anything's even disgorged, let alone <laughs> released, and just yeah. that that, uh, and then who doesn't love champagne? So that's that's a it's a good aspiration to have start straight away to go to champagne. And would you bring that back to New Zealand or? Yeah, definitely. I I just love the sort of technical aspect of it, and like you said, it's it's not a great business idea i suppose with all the time it's gonna meet a billionaire you know that's all right there's plenty of those out there maybe a millionaire but i think billionaire would probably be better in this day and age to start up with and then you have to be happy with not being able to release anything for you know four five six years um and yeah so next year at craggy this coming vintage at craggy that Mm -hmm. should be really cool you'll have uh, there's some changes going on there so that'll be interesting time but uh again we talk about the practical world i think uh that will be as much of anything let alone the fruit and the winemaking but the you know the people and the Mm -hmm. and the politics and all that kind of stuff um and as far as hawks bay so what did you win for your wine for first of all you won this year's for the student wine yep so that was my student wine i made in 2017 and that was a method traditional rosé Oh, I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what grape was that from? Uh, it was Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Um, it was actually given by my partner um, now, mm. not at the time. <laughs> so, one of these stories, yeah. Um, and he sort of inspired me to go down that method traditional mm-hmm. path. And Where was the fruit from? Um, just uh, Omaranui. Yeah. Omaranui, okay, yeah. yeah. So, that's where's, where's Omaranui? Wait a minute. The the uh, elevation is that elevated a little bit? Mm. No, no, <laughs> you're not sure. Okay, that's all right. We'll have to ask him. Yeah, yeah, but you got all the, the fruit. details. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think New Zealand overall is pretty underrated as far as method goes. So definitely a bit of a gap in the market, I think. And um, yeah, seems huge, like whoever makes yeah whoever there. makes one sells it yeah. if it's good, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But it again, it is that that uh, long investment. Um, and then as far as the scholarship, how did, how did that happen? What, what is the, I remember people doing it when I was there, but I didn't even get involved, I think, because I was just a weirdo from overseas. But <laughs> um, the, is that, do you also go overseas as part of that too? Or is no, that? No, so that's the Brigado scholarship. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. you have the opportunity to go to Italy on a sort of exchange. Mm-hmm. This is, um, more sort of the AMP society um, giving a little bit of financial help for your final year of study. Oh, that's nice. And uh, yeah, so that was very nice. <laughs> and then also uh, the opportunity to work for Craigie Range, which is also very nice. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I think you'll have uh, be able to put a few good things on the CV and get mm-hmm. a few people to write for you. <laughs> Surely, uh, Pinner Ricard will have some contacts over, oh, yeah, over sure. there for you. Yeah, definitely in Champagne as well. So. And what's going on at uh, EIT these days? You made the wine at the, the winery there? Yep, yep. So there's a perfect little facility for small batch winemaking there. Um, so it was just just over 40 liters, which is pretty difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the small batch <laughs> The smaller winemaking. you get, yeah, the easier it is to make mistakes, I suppose, or yeah, for yeah. mistakes to... To really, show themselves. Yeah, so it was definitely challenging, um, yeah about 35 bottles of the method left which is still on leaves so we'll see what happens in the next few years yeah so that they got to well i guess it's 17 so at least it's a year in yeah and they got to taste that as part of the competition and then Mm -hmm. and then uh 
go from there. And who's the uh, the personality still over there, Rod? Rod Easthoe. No, no, at um, oh Rod Chittenden. Yes, yeah. yes. And <laughs> yeah, Tim, he's still there. Tim's uh, still there. And yeah. Sean. Oh uh, yeah, he's yeah. there too. Yeah. That was I was almost wondering if that was how you said your name, but I know the spelling was no, completely no. different. <laughs> um, so let's go back a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember a lot of your life in the Netherlands? Uh. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And okay. do you have you gone back since you left? Or? I've gone back twice. Yeah, okay. just to see grandparents and sort of see all the cousins, uncles, and aunties. Um, and whereabouts in the Netherlands? From the south, Eindhoven. Say that again. Eindhoven. Eindhoven. Mm-hmm, yeah. So south is that south closer to Germany or closer to Belgium? Uh, or? Both, I suppose. So it dips of. down. Is that near Maastricht? Uh, a little bit north. Yeah, Maastricht's like right, right in the little puzzle yeah, that yeah. dips in between. I lived in Belgium years ago oh, okay. and made some trips to Maastricht, as you do. Yeah. Go have some fun. Um, and wine world in the Netherlands? No. <laughs> Although there are some vineyards in Maastricht or around there. Yeah, just because um, they dip into that area. Yeah. 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 And uh, But wine but drinking, is it state run there? I don't even remember what goes on with the Netherlands. Are they, as far as uh, wine shops and things like that and wine appreciation... It's mm. not like some of the Nordic countries that are like, you know, all state run like Sweden and Norway and stuff. It's pretty wide open like you would just yeah. be in Germany or something. It's yep. very similar. Yeah. And similar. a lot of the wine, did you see a lot of wine growing up there? Or? Uh, not really, to be honest. It wasn't really part of my um, childhood or growing up. My parents didn't really drink much wine. I think it was um, much like you just being in the hospitality um, industry that got me exposed to wine. Up in Auckland. Um, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. where are we at and up in Auckland? Because it's, it's pretty, still pretty young to be attracted to it, you know, that much to say I'm going to go do this for the rest of my life, you know, or at least for the near future and yeah. commit to doing a degree for, degree for it. Yeah. I, I just sort of worked for several small restaurants and I was just fascinated by wine and just, you know, the fact that you can sort of taste it and get a sense of where it's from and how it was made. I think that initially um, motivated me to look into it further and I ended up at the New Zealand School of Food and Wine. Oh yeah, yeah. good old uh, Celia, uh, Celia. Hay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's uh, pretty serious. I should get her on here one day. Yeah, I'm sure you she should. Could, yeah, that'll be a good one. <laughs> she could talk for quite a while. Yeah, uh, and so I spent three months full-time there um, and gained uh, WSET level three mm-hmm. and sort of a uh, whole lot of other little things, you know, your sort of um, duty manager's license and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So that set me up quite well. And after that, I was I was pretty certain that, yeah, I did want to commit to wine, I suppose. And I liked learning about tasting wine, but I wanted to get right down to the chemistry and the making. Yeah. It's very, very similar story to me, definitely. Um, but I do think it's really important that there isn't there isn't a lot, a lot of people in the wine industry have worked in or there are enough people in the wine industry who haven't worked on the hospitality side particularly on the vineyard side and mm. they kind of i think it's so important because you got to understand where it's going who's drinking it and why you know a winemaker is trying to do a certain thing he's trying to do because he knows down the road the drinking public is going to want x y or z and course there's all the marketing side of it too but even just on the the sort of flavor side and style side and mm-hmm. and um and just being able to i suppose sell your own wine at the end yeah. of the day and talk about it 
in a consumer's perspective and and yeah just be able to relate to them um, yeah go in and say uh you're going to be able to sell this wine because it's like this and people are going to like it because of this mm-hmm. and when i used to pour wines i had this problem but this wine's better because of this <laughs> reason um and as far as you know f- friends who have gone i'm sure you have peers and friends who have not gone into winemaking or still maybe in management or in hospo and maybe they're running restaurants or helping or you know either mm-hmm. coming up the ranks and that do you I don't know how could I say this do you have like uh, a shake your head at ever like oh man if you knew what I knew kind of thing you know um because there's a little bit of a dis- do you think there's a disconnect I suppose in like the more SOM WSET thing as opposed to what's really going on behind the scenes yeah definitely and I think that's what definitely motivated me to explore the behind the scenes after getting that SOM perspective um it, yeah I think there's a lot more to it than you think, even though at that point you might think that you know a lot yeah. as well. Um, EIT has definitely made me realize how much more I need to learn and explore. And Yeah, they're really good at um, cranking out cellar hands, you know. They're not – I think there's another thing that can happen is you can go down the, the winemaking route and sort of uh, get super sc- – academic about it too you know you mm-hmm. could be all into which is great to have those people that are into yeast and and into research and trials and and all that um we need that you know mm-hmm. we need the scientific um the hardcore science behind it um and they could get just as lost as being like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's supposed to be a nice thing wine um and but they can all you know you could like lose sight of um you know really what it's all about and at the end of the day people just want to drink this stuff and it's they want to, they just want a nice wine and they exactly, want it to be priced yeah. right and all that kind of stuff yeah um but uh, so eit i don't think has you know they don't get super academic i guess more auckland uni would be more they have like a better lab facilities and all that though eit is pretty damn good mm. i think eit is more known for cranking out winemakers you know yeah, I think you're really in touch with the practical aspect when you're there and having that small winery facility. Um, yeah, you're and in also touch you're in Hawks Bay. So exactly. Yeah. You can't walk. You know, you can't walk out your door without tripping into a cellar door somewhere. You know. Yeah, and most likely, you know, you'd be working in a cellar door part time. Have you done well. that as well, or? Yeah, that's what I'm doing at Church Road. Oh, you're at Church Road now, yeah. Yeah. So, so do they taste like in the back area there now, where they do the functions, or mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah. that's really nice. That wasn't there when I when I was at EIT, for instance. Yeah. It was kind of the small little thing off to the side. No, it's definitely um, a bit more serious. Yeah, they raised their game in so many ways. That place, um, yeah. which is cool, and oh, that's good. Yeah. So then you get to see the people come through and get a mm-hmm. sense of what what's happening what do you think's happening yeah. out there what what's have you seen the last couple of years in hawks bay with tourism and people coming through mm. um i think there's definitely growth in people wanting to learn and and you know understand wine more and so i think in with that people are willing to spend more on wine and better quality but it's just sort of I just try and educate people a little bit when they come through and just give them more of an appreciation for the effort that went in because I think that's the big gap is consumers don't really understand the effort right from vineyard, actually right from 
grafting <laughs> through to bottling, marketing and sales. Yeah. So just sort of filling in that gap and, and yeah, just... You still get people who come in and think it's stomp with their feet and right, yeah. right into the bottle kind of... Yeah, exactly. It just sort of happens overnight and it didn't take, you know, years and years for that mm. bottle of wine to, mm. to be put together. Um, so I think just, just that sort of appreciation... Um, it's what I try and yeah, yeah. get people to understand. <laughs> it's yeah. a tough battle, especially when you only got them for a few minutes, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, um, I think the cellar door thing is evolving in Hawks Bay. It used to be kind of like, come in here, here's the wines taste, here's the next one, here's an, and not only are there more people pouring who know what they're doing, but like you said, there's more people asking for more information. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But what I like to see, like what Trinity Hill's doing as well, and I'm assuming they're starting to do this more at Church Road, which is give it a breath, you know, pour it, chill out for a second, taste it, I'll come back, you can ask yeah. some questions, not like, I'm right on top of you, here's the next one, and yeah. what are you going to buy, you know, basically. And I think when people are more comfortable, they'll relax a bit and be like, actually, I like this one, and I'll buy six bottles of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you see that as well? Or? Yeah, definitely. And I think rather than sometimes just uh, giving them a whole lot of tasting notes, is just turning it around and saying, well, what, what do you get? What yeah. what sticks out for you? And then you realize, oh, right, okay, this is what's noticeable to them, which might not be to us. Yeah, I think people like to be right as well and <laughs> like to be gain confidence, you know, mm -hmm. so they say, oh, I get gooseberries. And you're like, yeah, that's right, actually. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. And just um, actually being able to take people behind the scenes, uh, I find is really great for them to get that full picture of winemaking. So we do offer a sort of tour at Church Road where we show them through the winery and we've got a small museum there as well. Yeah. And that just definitely fills in that, that gap. And hmm. I think for cellar doors to be able to offer that is, is really, really great. Uh you guys can just like basically walk right there in the McDonald. The couves are right there. Is that yeah. basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got the couve room, which looks really beautiful. But then you know, just going through and showing them a press and yeah. you know. So on harvest, is that like full go in there? Yeah, I think it gets a bit tricky around that that yeah. time. So we just have to sort of <laughs> yeah carry Pretend. the CO2 meter with us and. Oh <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I worked at a tiny place in Napa where we just felt like farm animals sometimes because they'd be like tasting and we're in the background doing work and they'd just be like not talking <laughs> to us, taking photos yeah. of us. Uh, we're like, hi, I'm right here. I can hear what you're saying. You know, <laughs> you can ask me a question if you want. Um, any aspirations to go to California or anywhere like that? Or you th I guess you're looking at Champagne. Yeah, I think uh, Maybe Europe. Oregon? I don't know. Where's the best sparkling? I mean, there's good sparkling production in California, but they're like, it's kind of like Pinot. There's like, it's more producer driven mm -hmm. uh, and some random regions. Um, hmm. Yeah. Oregon's pretty good, though. They got some good sparkling out of there. Yeah. Canada. Oh, okay. You know, New York State. Yeah. Yeah, good to the. Go, don't go there, though. Trust me. <laughs> go to like Oregon or somewhere cool like that. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I think I cut you off. You were going to say somewhere now? Okay. I was going to say, I'm sure you'll be able to give me some context. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I probably could. I would start with Schramsberg, but I don't. I have a buddy who knows some people there, but that is pretty amazing. Bubbles, um, pretty special wine in uh, Napa, but it's like on, it, carved into the hillside, you know, 
caves in the under the mountain type of stuff. We need more caves <laughs> under mountains here in New Zealand. I think <laughs> just the earthquakes. I think cause and some the issues. <laughs> yeah, and the budget exactly. We're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, cool. And um, yeah, so off to Europe. When are you? You're not set yet. You don't know where you're going yet. Or uh, anything? No. Um, potentially uh, Perrier Jouet through Perno Ricard. Oh yeah. Well, that'll be good. Um, yeah, probably just take off sort of July next year and spend a couple or three months there. Um, yeah, just that's see what I can gain. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty uh, pretty awesome. Um, well, cool, man. You know, I, I just wanted to chat with you quickly, and uh, and I think probably what uh, one of the first things I thought of when I saw your name again, I was like, I kind of want to talk to this person now, mm-hmm. so that I can talk to you again in like a year or two. And see, and you know, after you, because I had a feeling you were pretty new, obviously being at EIT, and I can tell you're you're pretty young. That, uh, you know, this was a good chance to to grab a moment and then see uh, what happens two, three years from now when yeah. you come back and beaten down by the industry. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Everything's uh, new and shiny, but uh, no, I'm sure it'll be it'll be good for you. And I, I don't know. I wish you good luck and everything. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Oh, that was nice. Thank you, Sana. Uh, what a great young talent she is. She even had some advice for my podcast for me, which, uh, you know, she's just subtle and confident and obviously making some great wines already. So I think she'll be a bit of a force to be reckoned with for the industry. I think she's interning at Craggy Range this coming year. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out and an ear out for, the, for her in the industry. Uh, I did see her very recently at uh, EIT for what was the presentation for the uh, Student Wine of the Year Award, uh, which was now named after Richard Vilitich, somebody who I would have loved to have on this podcast, but unfortunately he passed away in 2015. And that was a pretty emotional day, sort of snuck up on me. Um, Richie was just a very unique, great guy and a huge loss to the industry and a huge loss as a friend to many of us. And, uh, I think about him all the time. I think about, man, that's a guy I I would have loved to just keep, you know, being friends with over the years as he was helping his dad up and Fangare and doing stuff in Australia and making cider with his wife and uh, big loss there. So it was good to see Sana, but, uh, sort of under, uh, I guess it was a joyous occasion because we were kind of celebrating Richie's life and, and, uh, how much, fun he had when he was EIT and it was great to get back into that community which uh we you know I don't get to get over there that much even though it's right up the road and I live in Hawks Bay uh it was good to see a lot of old friends and and lectures and uh, I always enjoyed my time there so uh and it kind of all started there from uh for me so it was great to get back and honor Richie and see Bex his wife and his dad and sister it was it was a great day so um, yeah, next up, uh, Haiti, Haiti, who is won the young winemaker of the year in Hawke's Bay, as she mentions, and I awkwardly bring up did not win the New Zealand winemaker of the year, but, uh, took it as a great learning experience and another, uh, young winemaker who is beaming with confidence and talent. And we look for great things from Haiti in the future. So here's my conversation with Haiti. 
sound. So oh. helps it the sound from being a little more um, sort of drowns out the high end and pingy sounds so that it doesn't sound like we're talking inside a room with a lot of windows, which we are. Interesting. So, um, and we have started, by the way. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's pretty relaxed. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming up the road. Such a far commute to get yeah, here. took a while, but uh, thank you for having me. It's I know it's, it's tough to sneak away from the, uh, the corporate settings over there, mm. you know. I'm glad it... But uh, I've probably had... So are you an employee of Villa Maria, first of all? Yes. Yes. Okay. And what's your role with Villa right now? So I'm the seller supervisor. For um, which winery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit complicated. Yeah, I'm employed by Villa Maria, um, but the winery at the moment doesn't have a name as yet. So oh, we're okay. actually a lot more than that because we also um, include uh, Vital, Tiawa and Esk Valley as well. So mm. um, we work... Um, collectively, kind of like a custom crush, I guess, if that's yep. the way that might... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then obviously we're all owned by the same man. Sir George. Yep, that's the one. Maybe so. you could convince him one day to come on this. I thought I had the like PR, whoever the marketing team of up in Auckland and the hooks, and they were like, yeah, we're interested in doing this, and then it kind of fell off. Yeah. But I, got, I spoke with Michael Brakovich um, at the end of the last series, so... You know, we're getting some clout, you know, we're getting yeah. some, some New Zealand legends. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. So <laughs> maybe next year. Um, and we'll have to get, make sure we do a good sound check with George. He's a bit of a quiet talker. Yes, he is. Um, but a great man. And I've had some good conversations with him over the years. So that's good. Big company, but owned by one guy. So that's, uh, yeah. and you see yeah, him, yeah. he's down in Hawke's Bay quite a bit still. I know he was um, coming down a lot more in the last couple of years with the new construction and everything. Yeah. There's a lot going on um, all the time. We are still in construction phase and probably will be for a few years. So um, he comes down every now and again and does a little wander around, check out what's um, what's going on, what's new, and um, make some decisions, which is really great. Mm. Yeah. And have they built that? Um, I'm just thinking now. I haven't. I don't think I've talked to anybody from Villa this year. I talked to a bunch last year, like Gordon and Richard and uh nick and or no not nick uh ollie and a couple other people so it was kind of before that really was built or you know it's, it's pretty much there now i know you got a lot yeah. of work to do but was it is it being built like the marlboro one where it can get extended if it needs to yeah definitely yeah. so it's um one big rectangle i guess is the easiest way to describe it with the prospect that we can just um take all out and just continue to add on yeah so at the moment we're at um I think 6,000 ton is our processing limit, and that is going to grow to about 10,000 in five years is the scope awesome. for that. That shows a lot of faith in Hawke's Bay. So. I know, yeah. It's really it's really good because, you know, recently in the last few years, some of the bigger guys have kind of pulled out a bit, so it's nice that George has that faith um, in Hawke's Bay, and I guess it just shows that his um, dedication to quality wines is really there as well. Yeah, I think um, it's a bit of a tougher sell to certain markets, but... Um, we just got to hang in there and I think there's going to be some really good things happening in the U S in the coming couple years, you know, between, yeah, uh, I can, market. I can see it with, with what we have going on there in Paratua. So, uh, I'm sure, uh, between all the brands, particularly, you know, especially not just Villa per se, I know they've been in the States for a while. Um, but you know, ask and people starting to get it, you know, there's a lot of, uh, 
psalms and wine people that are like, yeah, okay, we don't need big giant Cabernet. We just need good Cabernet, you know, and good red blends and interesting Syrah. And Chardonnay always is is good thing. So, yeah, we have a lot of um, really amazing wine in Hawkspan. There's a huge diversity, and um, I guess that on sale and export markets maybe is a bit harder. Yeah, you got to pick your battles, and uh, it can be tough for people to get their head around it. But overall, the main thing I think is that the name gets out there in a very very dense wine world out but even in within new zealand people drink a lot of wine in new zealand you know um and you you uh so you, you guys just getting real busy now you said again yes our work is starting to ramp up we've got chardonnay blending coming up um and i was just talking to you before we have four thousand barrels on site at the moment which is a huge barrel management program um 1,500 of those are Chardonnay, and so obviously we'll need to blend them up and make way for 2019 vintage, which is just around the corner, mm. a little bit scary. Um, but yeah. that, that'll actually be really great because the Chardonnay stirring is pretty constant, so yeah. I guess... Um, I guess it never ends with that many barrels. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Um, yeah. So it would be good to, I guess, get a little bit less of that. How big is the team right now? I know you've obviously had a lot of interns in during harvest, and then it would t- tear, um, uh, sort of tally off after, you know, into May, June. But how, what's the permanent staff for that, that one? Yeah. Um, there are nine of us at the moment, including myself and another supervisor. Um, we are still operating on a semi-split shift. Um, nothing too hectic though at the moment, but it will probably the hours will extend a bit out um, as we do increase in workload. So yeah, um, yeah, we kind of split the team between two shifts. I guess. So all these emails that I get from friends from America and Europe who want to do in, uh, internships for harvest, I'll just send them your way. Yeah, well, yeah. we've actually um, we've nearly got everybody, which yeah, is really I know. cool. It's... We tried to get in a bit earlier this year, um, and that's been a massive project for us in the last four or five weeks. Um, yeah, a lot of interviews, and we're looking to get 25 people, so it's quite a big, That's a lot. big team, yeah. Oh, man, where are you going to put them all? Where are they all going to live, <laughs> you know? Oh, we'll just set up another Porticon <laughs> village on the side. Yeah, that's right. You've had that, that little village up the road of construction, guys. So, uh, I mean, it's really good to talk to you no matter what, and I think uh, it's pretty obvious uh, your career is going in a, uh, in a good direction, but it was also... Because I thought, oh, I need to probably not. I can't just interview all these my mentors and all these old guys. I got to interview some people that are coming up the ranks. And uh, one way to sort of pick that out is the person who wins the local uh, winemaker of the year. What is young winemaker? Young winemaker of the year. It's exciting. Yeah. No, it was that was a big deal. It was um, really exciting for me actually I did it last year as well and came third so to come back this year and win it I was mm. pretty stoked with that that was a fun event it was really well organized and fun to be a, a part of it's just uh, I just kind of I, I sort of got some credit for helping out and thank yous and I was like I don't really do that much <laughs> oh you were a judge weren't you <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh I just our section was just the written part so all I had to mm. do was just grade some tests oh and, yeah God, I yeah. got some babble in that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think you did good, <laughs> comparatively. Uh, obviously, you won it. So, um, but the so, how long has that been going? And you're the fourth winner in Hawks Bay, or 
Yeah, it's quite a new competition. Um, hasn't been around for the young vit as long as the young. Yeah, vit young vit's been around a while. So yeah. it's, um, it's on the up. It still probably needs a bit more traction, um, sponsors and the such. But mm. yeah, I think I think I was the fourth, fourth or fifth um, that they've been running it. Um, and it's improving every year as well. Like, have you done the national already? Yes. So you didn't win the national. I didn't win, no. But <laughs> do you know, I walked away from that just feeling like I had one. Yeah. Um, because you put so much stress and pressure on yourself to obviously do as well as you can. Um, because this competition means a lot to us younger winemakers, the younger generation. Yeah, well, you just don't get a much opportunity to compete, you know, and, yeah. and get like, you know, you're kind of in the background and, you know, you feel like, all right, if one of the wines you're a part of wins an award, like the chief winemaker takes kind of all the credit or maybe the chief horticulturist or whatever. And um, when you're a seller hand or even a supervisor, you know, you kind of, it's, it's kind of cool to get in the mix and compete with something, you know? Oh, well, yeah, you have to as well because... Um, there's a lot of really talented young people around, especially in Hawke's Bay, and there's not so much opportunity to progress your career in becoming a winemaker. Um, some of these incredible winemakers here have been in their role for a really long time. So, there um, recently a few have stepped aside. So. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> going to be really uh, interesting and exciting for Hawke's Bay. It might shake things up a little bit, so mm. it'll be, um, I'm really interested to see what happens there with that. Yeah, I think, uh, and there's there's always new things happening and a lot, you know, there's sort of, you know, I wouldn't say one step up, two steps back, but there's certainly two steps, you know, there's always step backs and back and forth. Uh, and as the region grows a little bit and then there seems to be like a good excitement over the last few years. And then there's like a reset and, uh, some people go out of business and, uh, you know, some, you know, there's a tough vintage and some smaller growers, you know, sell out to somebody else. And, um, so that's all part of it. It has to affect the winemakers too. They get burnt out, you know. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's also um, exciting to see all of these small producers come out of the woodwork as well. And um, Hawke's Bay, I think, will benefit a lot from that. Um, like Helsing Days and this collaboration and yourself. Like mm. It's really cool to see all these young people doing this amazing stuff with wine and really putting themselves out there. So. Yeah, I think it's – and it's easier. I certainly didn't have no idea – when I moved here, but it's why I moved here. Um, because I thought, well, it's at least an open country and they speak English, so I could try to figure it out. But, uh, you know, I think the prospects of, let alone an immigrant, but even a local 20 years ago, just saying, I'm just going to start a brand, um, wasn't as common as it is now. And there's a lot more people doing it. And it does sort of stem from the fact that like, a lot of those these new brands like you mentioned a few like collaboration and alex with sarasa and zaria and all the they're all people who are working for other people yeah and so it's a little way to break out and have some fun and certainly not make any money but but you know push yourself and and yeah. well, you know no one's in wine to make money no <laughs> um but uh, going back to the competition where was the finals at oh right yeah so that was in auckland um in August, end of August, I believe. Oh, so when was the Hawks Bay one? Was that July? It was July. Oh, wow. So there was, a, there was only a couple of weeks in between. Yeah. Um, Time flew. Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty intense. The national was uh, certainly a step above um, regionals in terms of what was expected and required. Um, to give you an idea for nationals, uh, we had like seven seven modules, I think, and they were each an hour long and they were 
pretty intense. Um, so what were like doing what? What were you doing? Um, so we had a capex module. There was like a general knowledge module um, about like capex? auditing. What's capex? What capital expenditure? Oh, geez. so you were given a scenario and then you had to come up with the best solution. Yeah. And, um, that one was actually the time pressure on that was pretty insane. I don't know if anyone finished that yeah. exam. Um, yeah, a bit to do with labeling and exporting and um, auditing stuff. Um, there was a wine judging module, which was really cool, actually. That was quite good to do. And uh, the lab exam, which was really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. We had to, what did we had to do? We had to do a, um, a sugar concentrate trial, um, but you weren't given sort of any equations or any sort of paperwork on how to do anything so it was uh, just by sense you mean like yeah, just weighing well, it you out. Just know, yeah you're just meant to sort of know all the equations of figuring all that out and then we had to identify um a microorganism on a petri dish and figure out pre- preventative measures and everything like that. i would i wouldn't do well on this yeah i don't well no one actually got that one right but um no it was really interesting and then there was a um presentation so we had to do a 20-minute presentation to a panel of judges about um whether or not new zealand should adapt uh appellation system Mm -hmm. which was really interesting uh in preparation for that i asked a lot of people and actually did a survey as well um and very polarizing so i'm not sure which direction that will head into that people didn't they didn't think they should do a there was um, definitely people for it and then people against it. And I see what, the like merits on both sides. Just keep well. it regional or something? Or is that what they what was the argument against it? I mean, outside of the fact that, like, that's not really an appellation, but, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it depends on how complex or how far into it you want to get. But um, the fact that New Zealand has no restrictions or limitations is kind of what sets us apart from the rest of the world. So mm. by bringing in. I, um, appellation system you're you could be essentially like making it yeah, a bit, a bit more difficult down. when we have that freedom which makes us quite exciting and unique so mm. yeah i think the but more of the i think the way the gibbler gravels does it is fine you know like there's yeah. not there's oh, not they're a great example of yeah. how it can work and and certainly on the marketing side and the branding side they've done as good a job as you could do i think for such a you know, in the grand scheme of things, a small appellation and telling that story and everything. But as far as like the restrictions on winemaking and all that, I mean, it's nothing like Barolo or something where, you know, they, there's a, a or in, um, you know, um, people come into Bordeaux and they taste, you know, they taste through the wines and they say, no, this isn't good enough or this sure. isn't the same, you know, it might be good enough, but the, it's a different style. So we're not going to, yeah. And there's not anything like that with the Gibbler Crowls, but I, I know yeah. what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, it is so. a hard one. Like, where do you draw the line? Who decides where that line is and who regulates it? Who mm. pays for it? There's a lot of... Um, well, uh, the, surely the members will because nobody else pays for anything else in New Zealand, you know? Yeah. Not, we don't get any money from the government, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, well, it all stemmed from um, the Mulba appellation that's just coming. So it was, it was really interesting and it was really relevant. So, so what's Marlboro doing? Are they doing... Um, like our tree and are they doing a couple or is it just um, i'm not sure if they've gone sub-regionally as yet but they've created an appellation um where to call your wine a marlboro sauvignon blanc it has to be 100 percent from marlboro um 
Oh, that's that's. Uh, it's a lot, and for some of the bigger producers, or um, even some of the smaller guys too, if you have like a five percent portion of blend from Nelson or somewhere else, Box you know, Bay, it, yeah. it just yeah, it um, makes it quite tricky. Hmm. Yeah, mm, so well understand that, why they're doing it. That'll uh, free up some Hawks Bay Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Hawks Bay Sauvignon Blanc. Me too. Blanc. Well, hey, you're talking to preaching to the choir over here. That's part, <laughs> a big part of my business. So. Um, well, that's good. And I think uh, one of the things that I really liked about the competition and what I heard about uh, your uh, winning in the Hawks Bay competition was the presentation part you did really well at. And if I were to go back to EIT and talk to people who are studying wine, I would say the best advice I could give people is, you know, particularly if you want to be a winemaker someday or you want to get to that level is, is like, you have to be able to pub- speak publicly. Yeah. You have to be confident. You and and all that requires knowledge and confidence in what you're doing. Uh, and if you're not, that's fine. Then just really work in the lab and go try to. But even like a seller hand is going to be asked, like a tourist coming through, or hey, you know what? Uh, you're walking through the tasting room and like you to tell these people how the Syrah was made, you know, and yeah. and you have to be able to do that and. Yeah. Right. It's you very clear that. that the people that do move up the ranks like a lot faster and the people that are a little bit meager and shy and, and that's unfortunately the way life works. Uh, and you don't, you can have your own style and you could be a little bit kind of cooler and quieter or whatever. Uh, but those people who at least have the confidence and the knowledge and to say it and, you know, and express themselves seem to move up the ranks a lot better. So I was very happy to see that was a big part of it as well, along with all the other knowledge, you know, it sort of added up. Absolutely. Um, no one likes public speaking, and it is something you can work on if you're not good at it. Mm. I wouldn't say I'm good at it, but that's probably something that I really um, got from the competition that was really important, is just being able to being able to like speak in public and do speeches and presentations and not be afraid. So mm. you really build on that confidence on yourself, which is a huge take for me. So it's, even though I didn't win, I gained that, you know, a bit of exposure, just pushing, pushing yourself outside of uh, How long was the one in Hawke's Bay, the speech or the- That time? was a 10 minute speech. So it's 20, yeah, 20. Well, yeah, so there's a 20 minute presentation and then there was also a debate speech at the dinner. Oh. Yeah. That one was really fun. Did that get fiery that. or? <laughs> oh, well, so you were given the topic before and there was a for and against, um, but you didn't rebuttal. Yeah. So you already had your speech planned. I mean, if oh, you're okay. good at thinking on your feet, yeah. you probably might want to drop something in there, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, the rebuttal's always the, the fun one. Yeah, oh, you did the um, grape debate, didn't you? So yes. Be that <laughs> quite was re- familiar with that. That was pretty funny. Um, and, and obviously not that serious, so you can just. Uh, I think I'm probably way better at uh, breaking somebody's balls rather than coming up with an actual technical rebuttal, sure. you know, um, or come up with some sort of stats on the fly. You know, I'm much better of, a, you know, being behind the bar, yeah. pouring drinks and b- breaking somebody's balls. You know, <laughs> So that was fine. But um, that's all part of it as well. You know, feeling comfortable. Um well, that's great. So, uh, what else? You didn't finish all the other parts, I think. Uh, there was a practical as well, which was a forklift test. Oh. And, well, let me yeah. tell you, I feel pretty comfortable on a forklift. Um, but this this little track that we had to do was impossible. <laughs> and so, they had set up some pallets and you had to kind of 
figure yourself and get around and not knock anything over. But it was so tight. Like, ridiculous. That's pretty realistic, too. Like, that that's... I don't think so. I think... Well, no, I'm just saying the fact that you do a forklift competition, yeah, yeah, totally. you know, it's... You yeah. got to be able to... Yeah. You, you know, but especially I mean, like, when the pressure's on. But I mean, like, get us to move on. some barrels or something like that. Like, yeah. it was pretty crazy. But um, it was quite fun. So it Do was you guys nice... have uh, high stacks at, at Villa right now? Um, Yeah, we stack four high. Four, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've done... Uh, we used to do five at Paratua. And no matter what, as hard as and scary as it can be to stack five high, it's still better than stillage and oh, yeah. trying to stack. Well, we've got um, quite a lot of those nice earthquake safe racks. Yeah, so they're yeah, actually yeah. a bit of a dream to forklift around. Yeah, they lock in or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've worked at places like in California and stuff where it's, you know, six high. And then you see some of the guys just moving the whole stack full, just rolling around. It's pretty crazy. I don't think I'd do that. But. So where did you work in California? Um, so I've been there a couple of times. I worked, um, for a place called Copain Custom Crush. Oh, I know Copain. Co- yeah. Copain in the ass, isn't that what they used to call it? <laughs> well, they changed their names. I don't know if it has anything to do with that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they called themselves Punch Down Sellers after that. Oh, so okay. I went back, uh, five years later. So um, wh- how long ago was that? Um, 2010 and 15. 2010 and 15. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I rem- I, uh, I had some friends who worked there. Probably not in 2010, but before that. But then uh, I interviewed, but then took a different job. But it was always a cool option. I was like, what a cool, you could see so many good wines. Oh, yeah. I think that's, well, that place there, I think I learned probably the most out of any vintage I've done because you're you're the sole intern for three or four winemakers and you're doing everything for them from sorting to Mm. just everything. So yeah, Yeah, that's, uh, I've heard that exact thing from a lot of people. Uh, and that so both times there yes and yep. that's in sonoma right yes yeah. santa rosa any uh notable wines that you'd like to say you're a part of from those vintages oh or? well um donham i don't know if you heard of donham estate i've heard of donham yeah, yeah. 2010 great pinots okay wonderful yeah and where were they from that sonoma or like alexander valley or? um they have kind of a few sites around carneros and russian river and russian river um, yeah yeah so yeah. they do a few different types, but it's quite a, a big, bigger style of Pinot, I guess. Well, yeah, California, sure. Yep. But and then they... um, the second time I was working for Eric Kent. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of them. But I have, but cool. I don't know the wines, but I have heard the name, yeah. They actually had some really great Chardonnay and Syrah. Hmm. It was sort of a highlight for me for them. Sonoma again. Yeah. Sonoma fruit. And California's pretty fun, huh? I loved California. How close are you to the town of Sonoma there, or where... Where's Copain um, at? It's, it's in the industrial part. Oh, is that where Gerard is? Mm. Yeah, in that industrial park not far from town, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I worked in that now, industrial park. It feels park. like it was a while ago. In 2012, I worked in that park, uh, but Gerard's built a whole brand new, I don't know how many million dollar winery. I just saw a picture of it on social media. I was oh, like, wow. damn, I wish I worked yeah. there. You know? Well, they had, I mean, those big fires last year, which is mm. crazy. It went right in through the, the city, the town. Um I don't think Punch Down got affected, but there were, had definitely houses around them that got burnt down, which is a bit scary. Yeah, and there would have been some vineyards that got affected. So, state of the world these days. I know we think we have it tough in uh, Hawke's Bay or in New Zealand, but sometimes rain isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's pretty scary. I mean, it's kind Though of we an indication had, of global We had warming. a fire uh, just completely uh, on Christmas Day, right out the window you're at here, really? just completely combust right under a tree 
So we think there was long clippings under there. And uh, we were all drunk on Christmas Day downstairs. And uh, a friend of mine who's a French guy, Pierre, who's now back in, in France, he said to me, and he's really tall, so he's looking over me out the window and he goes, do you want the fire to be that high? And I said, <laughs> what fire? It's, it's the middle of summer. And uh, that one right there, I said, no. And we had like, a, you know, the fire drill going. It was crazy. Uh, but it just went up and that's how dry it can get for yeah. if anybody out there doesn't know Hawks Bay, particularly this area. It gets really hot, really dry, and windy, yeah. and all this. And it was a northerly. It was perfect. perfect and I, yeah, I talked to the you know a fire, a fire. What they call it, the brigade here now, the fire brigade here. And and uh, he said, yeah, that can totally happen. You know, there's probably long clippings, and we think maybe you know a piece of plastic from somebody working in the vineyard or one of the uh, you know the because there's a young. Uh, young chardonnay over there and they have the covers on the bottom of the yep. the vines and it could have just gone in and or someone could have been standing with a magnifying glass yeah <laughs> yes it's not many little kids around here but <laughs> who knows could have been mara i don't know uh so yeah it's, it, could, it could happen that's a bit scary you know it is you know like could have taken all... out the, we were all in the house drinking like a bunch of idiots mm-hmm. you know well, that's what you do on christmas it's um and so, yeah, you kind of got a full plate at the moment. You're he- heading into busy time. You guys will be flat out all the way through harvest again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hopefully with a bit more ease than this year. <laughs> it's, um, you know, challenging at times, but it sort of, it pushes you to um, be creative. Mm. Yeah. And there's, uh, I'd say with the big winery there, Things have probably opened up for a little more upward mobility, I suppose, at Villa. But uh, as we said, there's good opportunities all around yeah, these sure days. So uh, we'll see where things go for you. Yeah, it's a good company to be a part of. Um, yeah. It's exciting. There's always things happening, things changing. And so. you get to see a lot of different fruit. Yeah, I mean, we see some really awesome stuff come through. Including that. Does that... Uh, Gewürztraminer always come down at the beginning of harvest from Gisborne. <laughs> I worked for Vital years back, and I just remember that. And then always hearing it in years coming, oh, we got hit with a bunch of yeah. Gewürz from Gisborne oh, to start off back with. Back in the day at Vital, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So where else have you worked in Hawks Bay then? You were at Vital? Um, yes, like every um, other person of mine <laughs> in Hawks Bay. Yeah, I started yeah. at Vital in 2010, and I think I actually remember seeing you back then as well. Yeah, I would have snuck through. I've been hanging yeah. around a little bit then. Yeah. yeah. I was, um, yeah, the little girl who had no idea what she was doing. Mm. <laughs> no, it was good. Um, yeah, vital for a bit. Um, where else have I worked? Yeah, a bit in California, um, Australia, quite a few times. Oh yeah. France. Where about in Australia? Um, I've done two vintages in Hunter Valley. Yep. Uh, Margan and Bimbajan. I'm not sure if you're familiar with. No, but that doesn't Hunter. mean anything. Yeah. I'm not. Oh, a, great I'm not a, Yeah. God. Yeah, the yeah. Semion. Yeah, I, oh, I had this um, 25-year vertical of Simeon over there when the the Margan and Brokenwood, they do this big curry night once during vintage, and God, it was really incredible. One yeah. of those memorable tastings, you know, you'll never forget it. It was super yeah, cool. Yeah, they got that down, those old old Rieslings, and a bunch of Shiraz they do, or Shiraz they do, yeah, right, yeah. up there, but more... It's quite, quite warm over there. Yeah, so. yeah. Did you get a lot of rain too? Um, yes, and they have a thunderstorm at 3 p.m. every day. So that's, that's interesting oh, for grapes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a really unique region. Um, Simeon is definitely the champion for them. So. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's pretty tough. Thick skins. Yeah, quite hearty, but just yeah. resistance. So. And France. 
Yep. Um, well, yeah, two and Margaret River as well. Um, and then... Oh, well, let's not skip over that. Where in Margaret River? <laughs> um, Bus Felix in uh, 14. Mm-hmm. And Larry Sherabino. I don't know if you've heard of them. I haven't, but, you know, I'm one of these, uh, you know... I don't know a lot of producers. I admit yeah. that. I, I uh, Particularly people used to drop names on me even in California, and I'd be like, yeah, I never heard of them. So yeah. it's sort of liberating because then you're just not impressed. But you're just like, yeah. you kind of judge well, the person. Well, it's kind of a big deal. Dan, yeah, yeah, sorry. exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, um, Larry Sherbino was great. Um, he used to be the winemaker for Horton and then kind of broke off and started doing things on his own. So he, I guess his label has been around for over five years now, I would say, but he's making huge headways. I mean, he's got access to some of the best fruit in Margaret River because he's mm. built up such long relationships with um, viticulturists. And um, standouts, Riesling, for sure. Um, a lot of Shiraz and Cabernet and some really yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny how it's all over the place there. You wouldn't think Riesling and Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, well, they get a lot of their stuff from um, the Great Southern. So mm-hmm. in the Denmark area where it's a bit cooler, they kind of do a bit more Pinot Riesling styles down there. Yeah. Yeah, they're quite ambitious over there in Aussie. Yeah, yep. Have their pies in all the holes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and France you mentioned. Yeah, um, I did a harvest in Bordeaux um, in a little place in Entre de Mer. Oh. Um, really interesting experience. They were quite big, 2,500 tonne. Um, they, yeah, they did a lot of, well, not sure, Demure, they kind of do more of the, the white Bordeaux styles, I guess, um, Sauvignon, Sauvignon, stuff like that, mm-hmm. a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of the Cabernet, Merlot type style. So um, where is that? Is that right bank, left bank? or That's on the right, Entre Demure's, oh, so okay. we were like 10 minutes from Saint-Emilion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that wasn't, yeah, that was awesome. We lived in this little cottage in the middle of nowhere and just, yeah, yeah it was pretty just... cool. Yeah, and you were there with some other interns from overseas? Um, with my boyfriend, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. we did um, four harvests together before he realized that he's more of a brewer. And so now he's gone into brewing, which nice. is really cool. Yeah, it's been a few uh, people have flipped over to the other side. Yeah, well, it transitions really easily as well. Yeah, I think so. I don't, um, well, envy him, I suppose, because you have to be a lot cleaner and... Yeah, it's actually hard. It's harder hard. to make good beer than it is. It's like a steady grind. The, the difference is, is you get one crack at it with wine. Yes, that's and, right. And uh, um, but and then I think the brewers in New Zealand are starting to realize too that it's tougher to export. That you really have to develop a really good local market, and beer is kind of thought of as a local thing. And yeah, because it's. Um, I guess there's not really a terroir thing. I mean, there's a little bit. They try some of that with the hops, but. Um, you really have to, so the marketing side of it and the selling side of it is a little different, you know. Mm. Well, yeah, and also they don't have the same sort of loyalty mm. customer base as with wine. Um, people are a lot more experimental with beer, which is really cool, but then they might try your beer once and then not buy it again. So Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a different game mm. where we get them to buy a case and they're like, you know, just drink a bottle every week, you know. <laughs> um well, cool. I mean, is there anything else you want to say? I might leave it there, you know, and check in with you again, you know, when you take over the rest of the Hawks Bay wine yeah. world, you know? <laughs> um, no, not too much. I guess um, we've just started a Hawks Bay Women and Wine Committee, okay. so that's um, probably yes. cool to talk about. And we've got our first meet um, on the 5th of November at Oak Estate, so if there's any ladies out there all right i'll try to post this before oh, then. yeah of course <laughs> pressure's on no i think i will actually i think it will probably post what's uh 
Yeah, it might be right around then. Oh, cool. So yeah, well, um, there's there's a lot of um fun things that we're trying to start. So just mm. just networking, getting people together, building a sense of community, and um yeah, we've got some fun things in the woodwork. So and then uh, of course enter the if you're a young winemaker, enter the competition next year, right? Mm. Yeah, I'm undecided about that actually. Yeah. I f- I well, no, I was talking about other people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I definitely, um, I'm going to encourage a lot of people to get into it because it's, yeah, it's a really amazing opportunity that people should take. Surely you'll be a mentor by next year. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, but I guess you want to give advice. Yeah, yeah I guess you want to uh, go for the national title. Uh, well, no, we'll see. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's I'm a big commitment. Sounds like a big commitment yeah, to do. Yeah, it you really know? is. Um, yeah, you put a lot of pressure on yourself, and I feel like I kind of lost about three months of my life. Yeah, yeah, just just straight after vintage too. So yeah, um, there's a lot of other things that I'm kind of trying to figure out and get into. Yes, so, um, yeah. put more time into that. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, and, thanks for uh, having me. I'll try to post it as soon as I can. Okay, great. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Thank you, Haiti. Thank you, Sana, again. Uh, just a couple of reminders before I let you go. Summer of Dove, December 15th. Please check it out. Great event. Very affordable dinner. Six winemakers, two chefs, one DJ. It's going to be really fun. Uh, tickets can be found at bit.ly, that's L-Y, uh, slash summer dash of dash dove. Uh, and that's actually just a link that goes right to Decibel Wines uh, shop. So if you go to the Decibel Wine uh, website, decibelwines.com, and go to the shop, you'll find tickets up there for sale. It's going to be a great event. There's a few tickets left. We hope to see you there, all you foodies and winos. Kind of an end-of-year celebration. It's going to be a ridiculously fun night. Uh, of course, yeah, the rest of the shop, Decibel Wines, check it out and uh, enjoy it. Uh, next week, we've got Chris Harrison from Beach House Wines coming on. That was a great conversation. We're going to have uh, three or four of these to end out the year. A little summertime listening here in New Zealand and, well, I guess cold, lonely Christmas time listening up north. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye.